Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of the Torah. Words of your Torah in our mouth and the mouth of your family of Israel. We and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the us, know your name and to his people Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our King of the universe, who selected us from all the people of the Torah. All right. Welcome. I didn't know there was going to be so many. So, so somebody asked me what we were teaching tonight, and I said we're going to teach on the art of putting. So I'm going to tell everybody how to putt. So it's going to help everybody. Now, um, um, I, I, first of all, I just want to thank you guys for being here, and I want to thank Joseph for giving me the opportunity to teach, and uh, I have been teaching for about 25 years. Of course, it has been at the church, so, uh, so uh, my eyes have been open the last two years. Um, yes, amen. So um, what I'm going to share with you tonight, I'm not going to give you the title just yet, but what I'm going to share to you tonight is very near and dear to my heart, and, um, um, and I'll get into it a little bit. Uh, but first, I want to say is it just pleases my heart to see the young people here with uh, either by themselves or with their fathers. And uh, I've often told Joseph this many times. It's kind of sad for me that uh, my son, my oldest son, got me into this, and he left at basically the same time we came in. So uh, it kind of has always sad me that I'm not able to, you know, sit with my son, sons. And learn this. So my youngest son has come. If you don't know him, that's Joshua. If you don't know me, I'm Jerry. But uh, Josh is home from college, so he was more than eager to be here tonight. And a shout out to Jeremy. And a shout out to Jeremy. Colorado, Colorado Springs, Colorado, and uh, his second week there and doing, I guess, okay. He's hung a ceiling fan and painted a wall in his apartment. So, and he hung a girl's chandelier in her apartment. So I don't know. I really don't know. I think he's becoming the handyman or something like that. So anyway. So I just wanted to get that out. And, 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 and more to that is young, young people here uh, take this as a, a blessing uh, to be here with your, with your fathers and studying this, or with your uh, peers studying the Word of God. And uh, this is something that we always did with our children. We never left church without talking and discussing about the Word of God on the way home, or, uh, or we could go out to eat on Sunday, right? It was okay. So, uh, so <laughs> after church dinner, so, or lunch. So anyway, uh, I, it just warms my heart to see the young people here. It, it really does. So anyway, so what I'm going to teach tonight is... Um, uh, uh, it's a book I read, and uh, it's, it actually changed my life. It was, it, it was about 12 years ago, and it really did change my life. And I've been a Christian for 37 years now, so 12 years ago at, at 2025. Thank you. At, uh, at 25, you're going to play Melanie tonight. Because uh, all the years that I've taught, it was very important that my wife be there because she always corrected me. And Tell me to spit out my gum and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, but uh, at 25 years of being a Christian, uh, when I read this book and then was, started teaching, it really hit me hard. And uh, now I'm on my third leg because now that I'm trying to be as much Torah obedient as possible, I've been swung and hit in the eyes yet again and learning even more. So, but as good Baptists do, 
It's a 12-chapter book, and so we had a 12-week study. That's what good Baptists do, right? And uh, we did small groups, and uh, so it worked out really well. And then I got it to where I could teach it in two weeks because a lot of the other Sunday school classes wanted me to come and teach it, so I did. So I got it to two weeks. So tonight we're going to do it in 45 minutes, okay? 45 minutes an hour, okay? And uh, even though I'm from Texas and I'm a salesman, I'm very slow, I do speak rather quickly. So um, I've got some verses, as good Baptists do. We're going to pass verses out and tear one off. And uh, when I get to that verse, you can read that verse, if you so want to. So, um, so anyway, uh, basically this book is divided into two parts. And uh, the first part actually talks about the judgment seat of Christ. And so obviously we're not going to get into that because there's not a lot, you know, there's obviously no time to get in it. But it's the second half that is where, we're gonna, is where I'm going to try to delve into and share some stuff with you. Also, keep in mind, you guys are tremendously more scholar than I am, okay? You guys know what you're talking about, and I know about a third of what I'm talking about. So, the idea is, please help me out here. I'm going to be coming at about a 30,000-foot level, okay? And the key is, and Joseph and I kind of talked about it, but I'm trying to bring more of some uh, truth from the Word, but also some practical stuff that we can use in our daily lives and our daily walk, okay? So, bear with me. It comes from the Sunday school. It comes from the church, okay? So you guys got to help me out. And like Joseph said, if you guys disagree with me, uh, tell me. Let's discuss it. Let's talk about it. But I hope and pray, as this has impacted all areas of my life, and I hope my children too, because I've been ramming it down their throats for 12 years, as Josh says yes, uh, that hopefully it will have some impact to you guys as well. Okay? All right. Uh, So anyway, uh, the... uh, when I was growing up, uh, my parents uh, always, because we were poor, always taught me that uh, the root of evil was money, okay? That money is the root of evil. Has anybody ever heard that expression? Probably the older people in the class, uh, the elder statesmen, but yeah. The root of all evil is money. Well, then... And then as I got older, they changed it to the root of all, that the love of money is the root of all evil. So, after reading this book and going through it, I came up with there's something else that to me roots, to me, all evil. And I don't know if you guys will agree to that or not, but we can talk about it some more. So, um, so anyway, let's, let's, let's step back just a second. As we talked about the judgment seat of Christ, they, they, he, makes a, he has a cool line in here, which I thought was pretty cool. As he said, there are really just two important days in our lives. Two important days. This day, the day that you're sitting right here in this chair, and that day, that day that you'll be at the judgment, at the judgment seat, okay? So the key question to you today in this room is, what are you doing this day to prepare yourselves for that day? Okay? So... You guys are way ahead of the scale, okay, than all the Sunday school classes I've taught, okay? Because you guys are, and, and as we are trying to more and more every day, live the life that our Messiah lived, okay? And walk the true walk of our Messiah, okay? So you guys have gotten a lot more steps in place about doing what you're doing today to get yourself ready to that day. So uh, so I, I've had to tweak this a little bit, but uh, that's, the whole, that's the whole point. So... My, uh, so basically what they said is, well, let me just throw it to you. What do you think it would be? If, it's not the, if, if money's not the root of all evil and love of money's not the root of all evil, what would you think would be that? Not Josh. Pride. 
right. Okay. Very good. And this name of this book is called This Was Your Life. And that's the whole idea. Is that, uh, you guys remember the show. I'm not old enough to remember the show. But there was a show called This Was Your Life. And they come down and say, hey, this is what you've done all of your lives. And these are the people you've interacted with and all this kind of stuff. And, and I forgot how it ended and all that. But it used to be like a game show. So that's kind of where they got the idea of that this was, this was your life. And I like this book because it's small, full of scriptures and big lettering. So it's, it's right up my alley. So, <laughs> all right. So very good. That's, that's good. And, and a lot of people talk about it in the church didn't actually get this right off the bat. It took them a while to get it. But the idea that pride is. So if you start thinking about it, let's think about a, a lot of the evil things that happen in the world. What? Uh, this land attacking that land, right? Uh, this man going after that woman, right? Uh, I'm, in, I'm bankrupt because I did this, right? So if you look at it, it's all me, 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 right? I want that land. It's yours, but I want it. I want your wife, right? I want that house, okay? It's all about that what we, we, me, me, I, I want, okay? So let's talk. Let's, let's uh, ask, uh, let, let's list some Let's list some prideful people of the Bible, okay? And we'll do, just for, the, just for the sake of it, we'll do good people of the Bible and bad people of the Bible, okay? So let's talk about where, who are some prideful bad people? Pharaoh. Pharaoh, okay? Amen. Who? Amen. I'm sorry, I just, I just didn't hear. Huh? I missed that other one. I didn't hear it. Okay, I hope you don't mind me abbreviating. I'm just kind of putting it up there. Okay, who else? Okay. Okay, let's just stop there. Okay, why Pharaoh? Why was he, why was he prideful? Okay. 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 Who's this, Haman? Why was he, why was he prideful? Okay. Absalom, is that who that was? Yeah, Who's? Oh, yeah. And why was he prideful? He wanted to take over the kingdom. Okay. Okay. And King Saul, why was he prideful? He was tall. <laughs> Very good. He was tall. He also didn't listen to the prophet of God on what he was supposed to do. He thought he was kind of better way. And his whole pursuit of David. Exactly right. And, and also, after his battle with the Amalekites, which he didn't follow the Lord's orders, he was caught building a monument unto himself. Okay. Um, apostolic, apostolic bad guys? You know, I, did I need to bring my Sunday school markers? <laughs> but I've already started in red. I'll put the Christmas good over here. There we go. Jude? Ooh, that's hard to miss. Who else? Okay. A and S? Is that right? Yeah. 
Colby said King Harry. Okay, let's stop there. Judas, why? Do we need to explain it? But Judas, why? <laughs> Self-explanatory. Who is this again? Okay, why? Okay. They try to teach them. Yeah. But they look good. Like they, they so, lie intentionally, yeah. so they feel better. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about Herod? Okay. All right, let's go Christmas colors. What about the good people of the body? What prideful people, good people of the body, what do we have? Good, like good figures of the Bible that were prideful. Okay, does everybody agree with that? Adam? Huh? <laughs> very good, very good. Do we want to put Adam? So, so what, what's the left column? It's good, it's good, like who we would think about. Yeah, humble. Let, okay, for better word, let's just say uh, humble people that were prideful. So, in other words, a good guy who exhibits bad pride. Yes. Uh, like, call so okay, David. 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 Yeah. David. Yeah. Okay, David. David. He's kind of strapped by Peter. Uh, he's not even black. <laughs> <laughs> who else? How about how about Moses? So let's so let's go through these real quick because the book spends a chapter on Moses. Okay, so let's go through this. So David, how was he prideful? Adultery. Peter. Denied Yeshua. How many times? Yeah, probably one of the worst prideful people. <laughs> well, they really is kind of more full of himself ahead of that. I mean, that's why Yeshua tells him, "You're going to deny me." Like, oh, I'll never do that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move to the next one. Paul. Who said Paul? Okay, and why? Okay. You also That's see the Saul, there's Paul. also the incident. <laughs> okay. Hang on. Hang on, guys. Okay. Okay. John Mark ditches them. Paul gets really upset, and he has like a big to like hashes it out with Barnabas, and they split over it, which was, I mean, I guess you could argue a certain degree of pride. He didn't reconcile until like years later. Okay. Thank you. 
to talk um, lineage, I, I got the lineage. When I talk about training, I got the training. And he went through it all and he goes, that's not that crap. That's, that's garbage compared to being in Messiah. So uh, I think Paul truly identifies his former life as being filled with God. Yep. Very good. And also, when he withstood Peter to the face, when he talks about that whole encounter in Galatians, mm-hmm. and I would read it sort of again, especially Peter being known for chopping somebody's ear off. Yep. So. Yep. Solomon, who said that? Did we skip Samson? Oh, Samson. Solomon? Um, I was thinking along the lines of he, after you know, God granted him wisdom and understanding, he still decided to go after the put, put like women before God. That was well, many, 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 all many. the wives of God. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the sages are clear about that. Yep. I think he's, I'll just, well, I'll just take the Yoda out of the Torah here. Yeah, that, that was the sad part. Was he used his wisdom to justify his actions. So it was like, that was a big act of pride. God doesn't really know what he's talking about. I know, I know how it's supposed to be. Right, right. Yep. Okay, how about Moses? That's pretty much it. Okay, how about, okay, so now you guys can help me. I would say also not circumcising his children and having the children. Pride. Right. 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 How about, I want you to free my people, and he goes, who, me? Are you, are you talking to me? I'm supposed to go do that? So would that be pride? Actually, I think it's different. I like that, but I also like it when he says, well, no, that's God's being doing, saying that's your people. When, when the people Literally, yeah. That was God's comment. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think when he, did, when he doesn't want to take up this, the job, I wouldn't call that, I, I don't think it's a false Okay, and we're well. And we're going to talk later about being scared and being prideful. Okay, so the book, the book kind of, the book loves Moses, but kind of, y'all got you. But kind of says, look, how many times did God have to come to Moses and tell him that he's going to go free the people? Do we know? Three. Okay, he's like, hey, me, I don't know how to speak. You're sending me. I've got to go. Yeah. No, wait a minute, I gotta go? Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll talk about that. Okay. Yes? To help me better understand, could we define the word pride? Yep. Basically, it's the pride of, of self, self of what I'm talking about is like the self absorption, wrap, everything wrapped around me. You know, look what I'm doing. Um, uh, I, I often presented to most of my Sunday school classes, can you be proud of somebody without being prideful? And amazingly so, I got two sides of the table. Easily, yes, you can be very proud of your children without being prideful. And somebody said, well, if I'm proud of them, I'm saying, hi, I'm so proud of you, you're awesome, I'm so proud of you. Are you not instilling into them the concept of, yeah, pride, look at me, look at me, man, look what I did. 
So, so I don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, but I had two sides of the coin on that thing, which I thought was very interesting. In fact, I quit. I kind of quit doing it. I kind of quit telling my kids how proud I am of them that you are so good, you are so awesome, because I don't want them to think of that as, you know, yeah, look at me. You're right, Dad. Look what I did. And I'll give you some examples of my work that are kind of on the same lines of that. Okay, I'm not saying it's wrong, because I've said it a hundred million times to my kids. I'm so proud of you, but, uh, but I look at it a little bit differently now. Okay. Does that help? Okay. Uh, Luke 12. Did I give you my Luke 12? What's it say? Alright, Luke 12, 16-21. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will carry down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself, and is not for rich toward God. Okay, what's that story in a nutshell? Okay, so, I mean, uh, that, was, that was a, a mega nutshell. I mean, uh, <laughs> okay, so what was he doing? So what was he doing? He was doing what? Huh? It's all about him. Right. Get all you can, can all you can, sit all you can. Right. And, right. That's exactly right. And he, and he was like almost to what I hear a lot in circles today is, I'll do the religious thing later. Right now, I'm going to do everything I can to make myself wealthy and powerful and, and number one, okay? So then, then what happened to him? He finally got to that point, right? And what happened to him? What did it say? Which means what? To the, to the young men in the back. He died. Dead. Time to die. Right. And then what did he hear when he got there? What's the word he hears? Fool. Wow. Do you want to hear that? Do you want to hear you fool? Okay. So the idea, the whole idea of that is this is what I'm doing. I'm doing all this. I'm doing all, I mean, I hear it all the time in the workforce. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. And I'll take care of that later. Yeah. One thing I thought, like the last part of the, the verse was, all the things you've stored up, whose will it be? Yep. I think um, a lot of times... Then you get a bonus you didn't expect. And it's like God has all of that in his hand. 
trusting him for all of it, all the time, no matter how much we have or don't have. Well, they say the richest person is the one that's most content. I love, I love the covet uh, lesson we did, and I sat there and just thought about all the prideful things that we think about when we covet. And, you know, the discussion in the room here was, you know, the mansion, the, the Sports Illustrated model, this. And I, I was sitting back thinking, who, who determines that the mansion is what everybody covets, that a Sports Illustrated supermodel is what everybody covets? Why isn't it a trailer home? Why isn't it a overweight person? You know what I'm saying? But who's done that? The world has defined what we should all be achieving and reaching for, right? Okay, so you make a very good point. Who, you? No? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep, very good. Uh, we could also possibly add to the list, all, you know, depending on your orientation or background, you can put it to the left or the right, but you could actually include the regime, the Pharisees, on there as far as the, the pride goes. You know, when I was in the church you know, growing up and everything, I said, oh, they're hypocrites, they're bad. But then you find out that Jesus was calling them righteous and that they're keeping his law and, he's, and things like that. So, I would argue that every soul sitting in this room has a problem with pride. Even myself. Everyone in here has a problem with pride to some degree or another. And that's kind of what we want to talk about tonight. Just maybe hit some points of, wow, that's, that's me. You know, that's what I'm going through. Okay? So, yeah, very good. Very good point. Um, I wrote down just a couple things. Uh, you ask what my definition of pride is. Preoccup- I wrote down preoccupation with oneself regardless of the form it takes is pride. Uh, certain problems cling to us when we focus on ourselves too much, like arrogance, anxiety. And I think when I, when I hit out these words, think about these words. Think if any of them pertain to you, and then we're going to try to hit on these a little bit. Uh, arrogance, anxiety, depression, boredom, loneliness, Pride is being wrapped up in ourselves, thinking about how incredible we are and, or thinking about how pathetic we are. Okay? A person that steps in the mirror and goes, ooh, look at me, man, I'm looking good today. That's prideful. But also the person that goes, look at me, man, I'm, I'm just the most pitiful thing in the world. That's them thinking about themselves.
Mm -hmm. So the obnoxious person, right, who wants, to be, who, who wants to be seen, who, who's loud, and who wants to be the, you know, the center of attention, right, that's an element of pride. But also the person that's really shy, because what are they focused on? They're focused on themselves. They're focused on what people going to think about me. What if I mess up? What if I, you know, and it's all, it's all a, a, a pride issue. So uh, I had a I had a, uh, a mentor when it came to public speaking. People afraid to stand up and talk in front of people, uh, which is a common fear. You know, most people have some sort of fear, um, and I know I did, and I still do. You know, but but part of that fear comes from focused on. What are they going to think of me? What if I mess up? What if I, what if I, what if I, 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 right? As opposed to being focused on trying to uh, share with your audience whatever it is you have to share for their benefit and thinking about them. That, that is what I, 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 does he do this all the time? Does he kind of just teach the class after we've kind of gotten it started? Yeah, yeah that's, my, that's my next three chapters. He just summed it up. So, no. Excellent. Very good point. And, and that's, exactly what, that, that's exactly what I get to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. I'm down to 35 minutes now. Okay. The book, uh, just for the, for the sake of it, the, the book gives a, uh, ways of, of uh, basically freeing us from self-centeredness. So we'll, I'll focus on these, and if we want to expand on that, we can. Yes, sir. Well, whose son is that? <laughs> no, that's a very good question. And I don't know I don't know if I clearly know what you're asking. Well, like this. You could say that um, looking like you said a minute ago, looking at yourself in the mirror saying I look good is pride or I look negative is pride. But at some point I look in the mirror and I'm being prideful either way, negatively or positively. So is it more when it's exemplified where I'm doing it a lot? more than the norm, or is it either way I'm being prideful? Because you're going to have a negative or positive reaction when you look in the mirror either way. You can't be neutral. Just yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I understand where you come from, because if I'm going to an interview and I looked in the mirror, I go, I go yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go for my interview. Right. I mean, and are we saying that that's prideful? I would say, I would say to answer your question, no. I think when you walk them and say, "Woo, look at me, man! Look how good I am," or or as the hard thing, someone walked down the side of the glass building, how many times did they look at themselves in the mirror? Mm-hmm. How am I looking? How am I looking? Yeah. So does that answer the question? I mean, I. I, 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 I wanted to know that we were. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Focusing on when you are like, you know, focusing on yourself, not so much just. You, then you, then you. It's hard to draw the line, but it, just based on what you were saying, it feels like if you were to look in the mirror before an interview and 
say to yourself, like, whew, I am so ready, here, here we go, like, and, and kind of focus on you, I would see that as a bit different than what you just said, and the difference being, it's almost like, okay, I think I look presentable enough for right. this position of honor right. that right. I'm going to be interacting with, you know, right. whoever this manager is. So it's just focusing on other people versus yourself. Right, right, and that's the whole basis of this. Yeah, to add to that, is it, it's okay to make sure you look okay. Mm-hmm but not to the point of putting yourself above others and certainly not above God. Right. Yep. And then... Right. I think that's, that's okay. Yep. If, I'm, if I'm trying to make sure I don't have as much hair as you have grown out of your right. Nose, your right. Ears, right. Then, then the focus is wrong. I know there's anything wrong with the mirror. So we do it in front of the board and then know what we're doing. Know what happened. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to say basically the same thing. It was Oswald Chambers' book, My Office for Highest, that I read, an awesome quote, and I don't remember it exactly, but um, he said basically humility isn't thinking lowly of yourself. It's not contemplating on yourself whatsoever. It's it's just exactly the other thing. Yep, yep. So good. Great point, good question, and thanks, because that kind of... And I don't know that it necessarily means that you can't look at yourself and ever think, oh, that looks good. Um, I think, and, and the one exception that I can think of that I think would be appropriate would be um, there's a blessing for when you have, like, um, bought new clothes. And looking at yourself and thinking, that looks good, thank you, God, for giving this opportunity, providing for me, whatever it might be, or, or even like, um, in a very thankful sense, not in like a pharisaical, thank you God for giving me this, because I sure would hate to be that guy, <laughs> but in the sense of like, you know, but you know, you, you want to have a, um, I, I don't know this is necessarily wrong to appreciate what God has done in your life. I would not disagree. Inherently. I mean, you can take it too far, but. Yeah. And I think it goes to kind of what everybody's kind of talked about is whether you're putting yourself above other people and kind of making sure that you're putting yourself above other people or understanding, you know, either what God has given you or the, or the where is your focus? type of the thing are, at hand. Are you, are you focusing right. on what can I do to, make, to help other people, to make God look better? What, what am I receiving from God versus how do I make me look good? How do I make me look better? Thank God for my genes, good genes. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. They say two ways. One is casting our cares on the Lord. Okay? Or as I've heard it here, casting our cares on the Lord. Okay, who's got uh, First Peter? Me. Why? <laughs> he, totally, he totally went for it. But, is he, but does he have it right? 
like right here, or does he have to? Oh, go on ahead. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Okay, would you say that that's a command? Yes. yes. Which part? Humble yourselves and casting. So you say two. Do I have anybody else that agrees with two? Okay, we got another one there. What's the reference? It's First Peter five six through seven. I'm going to say one casting. So humble yourself by casting. Right, it's like a subclause. Okay, so we got a one A and one B, and we got a two. Well, grammatically, it is okay. I think you and I are on the same wavelength here. Okay, so, and that's why you're a teacher's pet in the front too. So, okay. All right. So I love, I've been, I've been saying this for 12 years teaching this, and I, I was so thankful that Rick Spurlock put it in one of his brands. But, it's, but he said, and the, even the book says, it says, when God commands you to do something, he also what? Yeah, enables you to do it, right? Okay. So, let's look at this. Humble yourselves, okay, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at a proper time, casting all, not some, not part, not a few things, but all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Okay? So, let's talk about that. Let's, what, are, what are some anxieties? What anxieties? Does any, who in here has an anxiety today? Or this month? Or this week? Okay. Does anybody want to share? You don't have to get, you know, big deal. But what, what are just some anxieties? Okay. What? What? <laughs> Okay. Okay. Deadlines. Deadlines. Okay. That's that's tomorrow afternoon, right? Uh, golf scores. <laughs> Ooh. Where are the young dudes? You got anything? Anything anxiety? Anything big deal in your life? Anything putting pressure? That was a wife for Peter. Come on, young guys, man. What do we got? What anxiety do we have? Anything bothering you? No, right. School. Okay. Okay. So you kind of get the understanding. So what did we say? We said that this was a command from God, right? That we humble ourselves, 1A, and that we cast how much of our anxiety? All. Okay. Okay. You all are. You just, you just listed them. So you all are aware of them, right? I, I, I think I was blessed um, once, but I was blessed that uh, uh, in the early 90s, I was going to Europe back and forth for work all the time. I was running a 150-person Sunday school class. I was running banquets at the church. I was running my family. I was running my children. I was doing everything. And I had a medical condition that happens to people at age 50 that I got at age 30. 
six. It's called ulcerative colitis. And you basically have ulcers on your colon, okay? And once you get them, you have them the rest of your life, okay? Uh, but, obvi- but praise God, medication is taking care of that. But the point is, is I researched it and this and that and finally found out that the reason men and women get this is stress, okay? So I've talked to Mr. Wright about this once, and... Um, it wasn't until like two or three years after I'd had it been on medication that it kept coming back, kept coming back. I finally asked my doctor, Is it, what, what am I eating that's causing this? He goes, it's not, it's stress. And I told Mr. Wright a month or so ago, I said, that was it. I am not going to stress about anything ever again. I vowed, okay? And at the exact same time, I started teaching this. My last colonoscopy... And guys, get ready. Hopefully you only have to do one every ten years. I do it every other year for the rest of my life. Okay? The procedure is easy. It's the drinking of the stuff. is terrible. But anyway, uh, I am in deep, deep, deep remission from a disease that when you get it, it never goes away. Okay? Now, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you... This is an amazing thing that's taking place in our lives today. Anxiety, cares, and worries. And my God says, give them to me. Cast them on me. Why? Because I care for you. I I, I would teach my Sunday school class, our God cares for you more than you can even fathom, than than your mind can even think about. Okay? That's how much he cares for you. So everybody was like, okay, good. This kind of goes to my next point, is that, good, I've got a test coming up. God, it's anxiety, man. It's on you. Or, hey, I've got a bell that's due. You said, God, throw it at your feet. Here it is. And what does God say right back? I don't want your responsibilities. Okay? I want your cares and anxieties. Okay? Jackson from the Civil War, but his quote was, um, duty is man's, consequences are God's. And the meaning of that is that we have a responsibility to do something, but the effect of that work, the success of that work, is really up to God. And so in that sense, it's like um, casting your cares does not mean that I sit back, but rather it means I keep doing what I believe to be the best way to achieve this, Taking care of my family, I got to keep working. But I don't believe that my work is what's going to provide the income. It's going to be God blessing that. Yep. yep. Um, he says in here, make no mistake, his instruction cares is not a suggestion. The God of this universe commands us to cast our cares on him. Holding on to a care may seem a minor sin to us, but it's major to God. Now, whether we believe those words or not, I thought that was very impactful. Okay? Uh, who's got Luke 21, 34 and 36? Watch 
cares of this life, and that that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell in the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Okay, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with this. Okay, these anxieties and cares. That that day, he said day, and it's capitalized day. What day is that? Judgment day. Very good. Hey, you were listening from the back row. Um, okay. It comes on you unexpectedly. We don't, who in here knows when they're going to die? Nobody, right? Okay. So watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be uh, counted worthy. Okay. Um, he throws a couple of things in here. And how many have ever said this? I got this one, God. I can handle it. This is me. I got it. Don't worry about it. How many people have said that? Anybody? Me. Saying, I have. You're saying it by your actions. Yeah. You don't say it for You're saying it by your actions. Yeah. I got it. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, what was the other one to say? Uh, how about, have we ever had a hard time trusting God? What are examples of that, if anybody wants to share? Okay. Approaching a time in your life. No, go ahead. We'll go away. Approaching, you know, a time in your life and wondering if you'll ever get married, if you'll ever meet the right person. Yep. I was say also looking for employment. Um, Spent nine months looking for a job so that I could get married to that right person. Um, and there were definitely some moments in there where, like, trust was really waiting. A lot of stress and a lot of. Um, why these? Uh, and I think we ultimately got it the doors. I, uh, I was uh, a global textile manager with a company doing very well, and I got the call to come to the airport. Uh-oh. So I go to the airport, walk in the door, and they go, human resources on the phone. Thank you for being with us for 12 years. We no longer need your services. At the exact same time, I told you my other story. Okay? Get on the phone, call my wife. Hey, Mel, I just got laid off. What? Oh, yeah. She goes, what are you going to do? I go, I'm going to the golf course. I'm going to go play golf. She goes, are you kidding me? I go, no. God's got this handled. There's a reason why I'm not working at that place anymore. Within, <laughs> it's amazing. It's just amazing how we can always look back and see how God, well, great God works. The very next day, the phone rings. Hey, this is Bill such and such in Cleveland, Ohio. He said, you know, from a recruiter. He goes, I haven't talked to you in a while. How's your job going? I go, what's well, funny you ask? <laughs> I, I'm not working anymore. He goes, call this number immediately. Within 30 days, I had another job. Okay? And the whole time, just knowing, like you were saying, just knowing that God is in control. Last uh, a year and a half ago. Phone. Jerry, you in your office? Yep. I've got human resources on the phone. Uh, what? Uh, we're getting rid of our direct sales people. We're going to distribution. We don't need you anymore. What? Thank you. I wasn't even there long enough to get any anything. No severance, nothing. So I was done. 
okay? And, you know, my w- wife was like, what are you going to do? I go, I'm going to do the exact same thing I did last time. I'm going to go play golf. <laughs> and and uh, I'm telling you guys, golf is amazing. So, uh, so, but you know what? The phone, but you, but. Sounds like a long shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh. But the amazing thing was, is the phone didn't ring the next day, the phone didn't ring the next month, and it took seven and a half months for me to get another job. But you know what it did? It's exactly the same time that I started reading the Torah and getting in-depth with reading the Torah. And I learned so much in that seven and a half months before God opened another door. And I specifically know that's why that door was closed and another door was opened later on. Okay? So it was awesome. Somebody had their hand. Yes. Oh, I was just uh, really quickly. I had a similar experience with my job. It was earlier uh, on when I just got hired, and actually, I'm still there. Praise God. But um, I was facing a potential layoff because my supervisor that I had before had tried to set me up to fail so that he could get rid of me. Well. That night when I had found out that I was uh, going to lose my job, I come back home. I stayed with the Vermilions for a while. This has been Valentine's. So mm-hmm. I told them what happened. And they said to me, they're like, oh, this is terrible. This is really... Here, why don't you have some spaghetti and meatballs and less wine? <laughs> so I sat down, and I was feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, two glasses of wine. Yeah, not just one. How about two? Um, so I was sitting down, and I felt peace. I really did. You know, I felt as though God was going to work something out. So I sat down. I enjoyed my dinner and my glass of wine, and I actually slept a lot better than I had before. I come in the next morning because I received an email as I was sending emails off to the uh, human resources person that the supervisor had sent me, which was really shady. And so I get an email from her saying, you know, Ryan, there have been some interesting developments. Come on in. And the next morning, so I walk in. I'm greeted by a hug from her. And she apologizes to me about everything that they had put me through. To make a long story short, God basically had it to where I was fired, rehired, and he got fired all within 24 hours. Wow. Yeah, and you had peace about the thing. Was, I did. And wine. And wine. So the wine and the wine promoted the peace. Yeah, go ahead. not what I had planned. It's not what my family had planned. 
just not working. Um, my, my reaction to that. I'm, I'm wise enough now to know, like you just said, in a couple of weeks or months, I'm going to look back here with that 2020 hindsight, and I'm going to go, yeah, if God had not allowed that to happen, He could not have blessed me in this overwhelming way. Yep. You know, um, for, for me, the the day-to-day, the, the -day, have the right attitude when things don't go the way I think they're supposed to go, and recognize that I'm a nit. I, I'm nothing here. He's the sovereign one. He's causing it the way he wants it to happen. That's, I'm not talking fatalism. He's looking for my reaction. And so often I fail because I get uptight. Uh, I, 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 I get disappointed when I ought to be just walking through it like the sages of old would do. You know, the sages of blessed memory. Where they'd have, you know, you even see it in February on the Roof, you know. Perchik comes, you know, yeah. comes in with with the dad. You know, we've got Perchik is going to stay for Shabbos dinner. Another blessing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I want to have I want to have that more. Yep. Recognizing that I'm gonna I'm simply gonna be obedient to everything he gives me, no matter where he wants to toss it. I, I laugh all the time because all my I'm in sales and in sales is cutthroat and everybody's out to get the, everybody's out to be number one everybody's doing this and that and I, I it's so much fun for me because all my colleagues are running around like a chicken with their head cut off and they worry about every single thing they work till 10 11 o'clock at night they work every weekend when I get home done. When Sabbath comes, done. When, now when Sunday comes, I check my emails again. <laughs> but it's the first day of the week, right? right. Let's work. It's work. All right. Number two. Because there are two. Am I keeping you? Are we got to get something? No, I'm here. Okay. Two. Focusing on the interest of others. Okay, how do we do that? <laughs> okay. All right. They break it down even far, farther, further. A. The great one. Love thy neighbor. Hey, can I tell you a quick side story here? Uh, anybody get anybody get the CDs from First Fruits because you give them so much money? Have you read? The, have you listened to Ten Commandments? The one on Ten Commandments. Okay. So I'm going to spoil something for you. And, and tell me if you think this is cool or you guys have probably already know it. So I'm listening. I'm like, Ten Commandments, come on, man. And what can they do with that? But he said one thing was really kind of cool that I wish I could just go back in a prideful way and get to church. But anyway, uh, no, I really don't. I'm sorry. Uh, but he goes, he goes, okay, so the church says that now that the law has been 
abolished. Okay, except for... It, 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 hang on, hang on a second. Except for the ten, and at our church, maybe sometimes nine, maybe even eight. Okay, so let's go with ten, except for the ten. And now wait a minute. Then they say, but, but Jesus said the two greatest commandments are what? Okay, so... So the guy goes, now if we've abolished everything but the ten, then are these two abolished also? Or does the church now have twelve commandments? Or eleven? And I thought that was a great point. He goes, they're actually throwing themselves under the bus. So I thought that was really cool. So anyway, just a side story. All right. Love your neighbor. Um, You guys and some of you great theologians could do a month's study or more on love thy neighbor. So we're not going to get into the deep depths of love thy neighbor. When was it first, when was it first said? Who got, who's got it? Yeah, what does it say? You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. What did it mean back then in Leviticus to love your neighbor? And who's them? Who was the neighbor then? The community is Israel. Although it includes your enemies, there's a whole section. I'm just asking. Troublemaker! <laughs> <laughs> it really covers, in essence, pretty much everybody. Of course, the way that love is demonstrated varies sometimes depending on. I mean, like for example, in warfare, unfortunately, love your neighbor may be killing the other guy. Um, so when Yeshua said it, what did he mean? Did he? Did he mean the same thing? Okay, I'm sorry? Who's got that verse? Who's got Matthew? Uh, did I say Matthew? I'm sorry to interrupt. Hang on just a second. But who's got the verse? Um... See, you guys should have already known this. I gave you the verse you should have been reading ahead of time and know what it is. Huh? No, who's got it where Yeshua says it? Is it Matthew 12? Or Mark 12? Okay, who's got that? Okay. So, Greg, let's read it and then go go to your point. Says, love your neighbor as I have loved you. Right? 
Mm -hmm. So, loading your neighbor as yourself is actually not a particularly high standard. Right? We, have, we have a society running around on clothes really think themselves. So, if all I have to do is look like I love me, that, that's not particularly a high bar. Yeah. I drug you. Right. If I have to love you like Yeshua loves yep. you, then that's unconditional love to the point of I lay my life down for you. That's the top shelf. Right. Same thing or different? Yeah, same thing. Okay. Uh, what does the church, I'm not throwing the church on the bus, but what does the church think this means? The same thing or different? Preach the huh? Preach the preach the gospel. Okay. Anything wrong with that? Anything wrong with preaching the gospel or giving money to charities? Huh? Okay. Okay. All right. So, um... Let's see. Okay, so they break it down. They break it down and says, uh, "So love your neighbor, and then also serve the Lord by serving others." Okay. So we'll just put serve others. Okay. Uh, quick story. I was very blessed to know my grandparents, and my grandmother was a Nazarene, and uh, at that time thought she was like the most spiritual woman I've ever met in my life, and I got, I got to know her and got to hear stories. They were dirt, dirt, dirt poor, lived on a farm next to a railroad track. Uh, if you youngers don't know what a hobo is, a hobo is a guy that hangs around a railroad track, okay? Hobo was to come up, knock on the farmhouse door, got anything to eat, never ever or at least the stories I've been told, did my grandmother ever turn any one of those people away. She always had an egg a piece of bread, and a flower. And she brought it out and said, God bless you. She fed them. She was serving others. Okay? She was putting others before herself. What could she have done? Get out of here, hobo. Get off my property. Right? But instead, she was serving others. Okay? Um, I... Uh, and I'll just tell some quick stories, but uh, I, as I travel, I, whether you like or not like Walmart, I always stop at Walmart because I got inexpensive drinks and, and uh, water bottles and, and nuts and stuff like that. But anyway, so uh, I was, and I always use the restroom there. So I went to the restroom, and it's, the one, it's old Walmart, so it's a restroom in the back of the store. Not in the front, but in the back of the store. <laughs> the layaway department, which doesn't exist anymore. Right. Walk back there. And there are people all around there and stuff like that. There are people actually working back there. Probably, probably an 80-year-old woman said, help me, help me. And as I'm walking back there, she's saying, help me, help me with people. So I walk up and I go, yes, ma'am, what, what seems the problem? She goes, my husband's in the men's bathroom and has fallen down and can't get up. And I go, I'll help him. So I walked in there, and here's this guy, his pants down to his knees on the floor, can't get up. So I pick him up, and I'm, so now I'm thinking, well, I can't just leave him like this, so I sure hope nobody comes into the restroom as I'm pulling this guy's pants up, but I was able to pull the pants up, help him, get him out, and get him out the thing, and it just appalled me to walk down the aisle and see people going, uh, uh, another, I, I come out of a Walmart, and there's a woman pushing a wheelchair, and she helps the lady get in the car, 
and she's so old she can't get the wheelchair in the back of the trunk. And there must have been 15 people walk by that woman and not one person stopped to help them. I walk over, how can I help you? Collapse the wheelchair, put it in the trunk, open the door, let him out. Once again, not patting myself on the back. Now, to me, that's just, in my eyes, that's the Holy Spirit saying, help that person. Okay? If, if I have a 9 o'clock appointment and I show up at 9 o'clock, am I uh, early on time or late? late? If I have a 9 o'clock appointment and I show up at 8.45, am I early on time or late? On time. Okay. My point is, how many people show up on time to when they're supposed to? Raise your hands. How many people show up? How many of you guys in here show up on time, which means 15 to 20 minutes before your appointment? Okay, some do, some don't. Majority don't. Why? Self-absorbed. I'm sorry? Self-absorbed. Yeah, I'm thinking about myself. I got an extra 15 minutes. I can sit and watch Sports Center. I can look at emails. I can do whatever I want. How about if, how about if you had left early and somebody strand alongside the road, you could have helped them? Now, I do know that we're in that age of things where we don't know if we're going to get mugged or shot or all that kind of stuff, okay? But if you carry a handgun, you're fine. But do, you get, but do you get the point? I was driving down the road. There's a lady parked alongside the road with a flat tire. I pulled up next to her and I rolled the window down. I said, are you okay? And she said, yes. And I go, do you need help? She said, no, AAA's coming. I go, well, they take 45 minutes to an hour. And she goes, I called them 45 minutes ago. And I said, so you sure you don't need help? She goes, no. And I said, okay. And she goes, excuse me a second. And I go, yes. And she goes, you're the first car that stopped in an hour and 15 minutes has come by here. Are we missing the opportunities to put and serve others ahead of ourselves? Yes, we are, including myself. Why? Because I'm thinking about myself and myself only. Okay? Am I loving my neighbor enough? No, because I'm thinking about myself. My greatest one is traffic. And I used to yell and scream at people. And now my thing is, Father God, bless them on their journey today. So before it used to be shake the fist. Today you see other gestures. All that kind of stuff going on. How do you know they're not in a hurry to see somebody sick or they're not in some problem? But yet all we think about is they just cut me off. How do we know we're not serving others? Here's my ultimate great one. The phone rings. And today it's a lot easier because now you, you kids got everything. But the great thing is the phone rings and it says unknown caller. Or it says uh, a AAA house painting. So you just, before you used to answer the phone, Mr. Wright, can we come and paint your house next week or bring an estimate? No, and stop calling me. Get me off the list. Have we ever thought about uh, no, but how is your day going today? Have we ever thought about putting that telemarketer above ourselves? Ever. I do now. No thank you. How was your day? Is there anything I can pray for you today? No, no, I got to go. Oh, and by the way, can you take me off the call list? Thank you. (laughs) I walked into into a bank, handed my check to the teller, young girl. And uh, she goes, wow, I wish I could have this money. And I go, why? And she goes, well, because I could use it. And I said, well, I need it to pay my bills. But I'll tell you what, you tell me what's bothering you right now, and I will pray for you over the next seven days. And she goes, what? And I go, yeah. I said, what is your name? And she goes, Hillary. And I go, I'm praying for you. No, she didn't have a name tag on. 
because that's usually the first thing I do as a salesman. Hey, Hillary. Hey, Amy. Hey, John. Uh, uh, I will pray for you. I went back the week later, just because it was the grocery store bank, didn't need to go to any bank, but I walked by and I saw her and I said, Hillary, how are you doing? I've been praying for you. And she goes, it's amazing. She goes, my mom got a job and now we're combining our incomes and my little girl, see, I didn't know she had a little girl. She goes, my dad, or her dad is not living with us and my little girl can now have the nourishment and the food and things that she probably needs, okay? Putting other people before yourself. I hate it, hate it, hate it. And Josh is going to laugh. I hate it. I walk into a checkout line. How are you doing today? Terrible. Oh, why? Here's he's got this job. Oh, so you don't want to work. No, I need to work. So what is your problem? What? Uh, and, you know, here's Mel trying to, get, trying to check out stuff as fast as you can. And I'm like, I'm like, you're alive, aren't you? you got your health and you've got a good job. You love to work, don't you? No. Well, you ought to think about that. It drives them crazy. <laughs> it does. And the whole idea is just putting other people first. Loving your neighbor, serving the other people. Okay, putting them first. Uh, when we had Isaac's gathering... When I told you, don't come home with your problems. It's one of the greatest things I learned. When I, I, when I was younger and I was married, I'm going to share with you something that my wife doesn't mind because I've told it several hundred times. It's the greatest marital mistake I ever, ever, ever made in my eye. So write this down or keep a mental note, young men. Jeremy and Jacqueline, my oldest two, are 14 months apart, and one, they were probably uh, one, a little over one, and newborn or whatever. I've been out working all day. I walk in. Now, the little tiny backstory is my mother is a clean freak. So I come from a clean freak mother. Melanie comes from a pigsty mother. And believe me, she knows it. She's, I'm not saying anything my wife wouldn't, that I haven't already said before in front of other people. I walk in the door from a long day at work, and she's got Jacqueline on this arm. Jeremy's running around. The place is a mess. And I go, what have you been doing today? Uh, and lucky I'm still married. That was the last time I ever said anything like that again. I open the door now. I love you, darling. How can I please you today? What can I do to make your day better? Until I understood. Okay, another quick one on marriage. I'm a, I was born in, and I claim to be from Texas. I was born in Indiana, so now I am a Yankee, Okay. I'm a Baptist, and I'm a conservative Republican. I met a, I've married a Southern girl, a liberal Democrat, Methodist. Okay? Okay. When we first got married... Oh! Oh. And the other caveat, she's an attorney, I'm a salesman. What are you doing? What's an attorney's answer? What do you mean, what am I doing? Why aren't you in this? What do you mean? Everything is I answer a question with a question. Well, salespeople don't, don't like that too well. We butted heads the first few years of our married life till I figured out, till she ducked and let God hit me in the head with a two before, that I have to serve her. I have to put her to a higher standard. You know what? The dishes aren't done, then I'm going to do them. The laundry needs folding, then I'm going to fold them. Not what have you been doing today, and why isn't any of this stuff done? I've got to put her above myself. I've got to put her needs above myself. So 
That's what I meant by that. I, I didn't really want to get into the story too much because I was going to tell it here, but that's what I mean when I say that. When I come home now, and, and now I'm more at home because I office out of my home, but she's coming home now. <laughs> but our first thing is meet and greet, hug and kiss. How are you doing? Not how was your day? How are you doing? Now, I'm not here to say we can't discuss our days and our work and our problems, but when I see the first time I see her, it isn't negative, it's all positive. And it's all about putting her and serving her more. Okay, yes, sir. Very good. Thank you for sharing. That's great. It says in Proverbs, the lots that are cast are in God's hand. Very, very good. Very good. Yes, sir. I was just going to add the perfect example of these two things, of course, is Yeshua. And I thought of Philippians where it talks about, um, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And that's, I mean, if anybody could be prideful, if anybody could be held in the highest esteem ever. It would be him, but even he lowered himself to the point of being a servant and loving unconditionally. Yep. Amen. Uh, I gave somebody Philippians, but Philippians 2, 3, and 4, with humility in mind, uh, with humility in mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal but also for the interest of others. Very good. Um, we're going to finish up now. One thing I want to read to you, Mother Teresa, which I thought was unbelievable, but she got up in her, I mean, she wrote in her book, at the end of our lives, we will not be judged by how many diplomas we've received, how much money we have made, or how many great things we have done. Exactly what the world is teaching us today. Get as many diplomas, do as many great things you can, put yourself first, okay? 
She said, we won't be measured by that. We will be judged by, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was naked, and you clothed me. And I was homeless, and you took me in. This is Yeshua in distressing disguise. What great, impactful words from her in her book. And that's just been very impactful for me. Um, the very last thing, and I don't have to do it because Mr. Upton did a wonderful job of explaining it, but we talked about how, how uh, if you look at depression, boredom, loneliness, stage fright, uh, scare, being scared on your job, to me, and the book describes that, that's all a matter of pride. Um, it just drove me crazy of all the people who I thought were uh, great people of God. Will you pray? No. What? What do you mean you're not going to pray? And I finally figured out it's because I'm afraid whatever. I don't say thee and thou, so I'm kind of afraid of what everybody is going to say or what everybody's going to think. That's amazing. Stage fright is most likely kind of what you said. It's most likely thinking about me. I'm, I'm worried about what they're going to think about me. Okay? Uh, now, if you, that, there, are, there are such things as clinical depression. I sold pharmaceutical drugs and sold it for depression. There is such thing as clinical depression. I understand that, and I'm not saying it. Uh, but I remember Jeremy one day saying, Dad, I'm bored. I don't have anything to do. It was summertime. I go, okay, good. Grab your Bible. He goes, what? We're going to read? I go, nope. We're going to go knock on every door in the neighborhood. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, got, I, I figure I got something to do. I got it. All right. Then you're not bored, right? Okay. <laughs> or probably never will. Remember that, guys. Don't ever tell your parents you're bored, all right? <laughs> it, oh, I'm sorry, Sean was. So this was Isaiah 58 10 that you gave me? Yes. Uh, what you're talking about, serving others, comes with a blessing. And if you give yourself your very soul to the hungry and satisfy the desire, the very soul, their very soul, the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness, and your gloom will become like noonday. Yep. Yep. Uh, lastly, and, and lastly for me, and uh, we'll open up if I want to say anything, um, uh, humility on the job. Um, so many people today think your job is just to make money, and I don't look at it that way. My boss, I, I can't tell my boss this because I'm in sales, but my, I love, because in my interview it's like, why do you want this job? To make money. Because that's what all salespeople want you to do. They want you to make money. Well, I do want to make money, so I'm not lying. Make money. Excellent. But I want to tell him that's not my priority. My priority is to be a testimony for my God in everything that I do. Okay? And it's, it's so, that's why I have fun at my job because I just watch everybody else and then I try to, and I'm not saying I'm the best at it, but I try through my actions to say, man, what are you guys so worried about? What's, what, what's going on, man? You know, relax. And these guys just beat themselves over the head. It's amazing to see what they are because they're so worldly, and all they're doing is chasing the big buck and everything. Versus, I'm going to work hard, take care of my responsibilities, work for my company, but I'm not living to, to work. I'm working to live. Okay? So... Keep that one in mind, too. Like I said, I could, I could, I could talk and give you so many more stories, but uh, I just want to touch on this subject because it's near and dear to my heart. There's so many more scripts. I've got, and I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't bring my printouts, but if you guys want this, I can send it. But I've got, I've got two pages of Proverbs and Samuel and Ecclesiastes and Isaiah and, uh, and those. And I, oh, I did want to read one thing. 
because uh, I did go on Chabad.org, and I, and I put pride in. And I thought these things were pretty cool. Uh, let's see. Um, before passing, Rabbi Israel Bayal Shem Tov, is that close enough? Tov? Set said to his disciples, you must seek a new master and mentor, for soon I shall pass from this world. Have you guys heard this? Yeah. You have? Okay. Uh, to whom shall we, t- we turn for guidance, they ask. I shall give you a sign, said Rabbi Israel. He who knows the answer to the question, how can one overcome the pride in one's heart? He is the man who can guide you in your service of the Almighty. And what is the answer? How does one vanquish pride? The answer is that there is no way in which to vanquish pride. One must simply pray to the Almighty that he humbles our hearts before him. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so anyway, it's also, anyway, uh, I learned a lot from those guys too. I wish I, I, wish, uh, I, wish I could have shared a, lot, a little bit more, but I think you guys have probably, have probably uh, seen and, 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 and read a bunch of that stuff. But my last thing, why, and this definitely is the last thing, why is pride so sinful? Pride is giving ourselves the credit for something that God has accomplished. Pride is taking the glory that belongs to God alone and keeping it for ourselves. Pride is essentially self-worship. Anything we, we accomplish in this world would not have been possible were not for God enabling and sustaining us. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why did you boast as though you did not? 1 Corinthians 4, 7. That is why we give God the glory. He alone deserves it. Okay? So, thank you very much. Throw it out. Any discussion? Appreciate it. It's a new floor anyway, right? Um, When the rabbis of old take leave of each other at the study hall of Rami, Rabami, they would say to one another, you shall see your world in your life and you shall uh, be with the life of the world to come and your hope for many generations. May your heart ponder and achieve understanding. May your mouth speak wisdom. And may your tongue bring forth song. May your eyelids look straight before you. May your eyes be enlightened by the light of Torah. And may your face shine like the brightness of the sky. May your lips utter knowledge. And your kidneys rejoice in righteousness. And your feet run to hear the words of the Ancient of Days. Amen. Amen. Watch that. Thank you, sir.